Tina Jacobs is a worm entrepreneur. Her business is Divine Gardens, and her product is vermicompost. She has tens of thousands of worms, maybe more, working every day making fresh batches of vermicompost, which is available at her website and at local Central New York stores. I visited Tina recently and was impressed by her operation, so I invited her on the show to talk more about her business and vermicompost. Let's have a listen. Tina, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good, Dave. How are you? Great. We were just talking a little, chatting a little bit about the weather down here where we live, and it's snowing, and everybody was calling for snowstorms and apocalypse, and it's not really happening, I don't think. But anyway. So, Tina, you have a company that is called Divine Gardens, correct? Yes, I do. Okay. And tell me a little bit about yourself, what your background is before you got divine gardening's up and running before i started the business i have always loved to garden garden is my hobby like so many other people that just find so much joy in gardening and that is how i gravitated toward this business and and did you use vermicompost in your gardens before you started the, the business no i did not and that is why i started the business because oh. when i used it I said, wow. Okay, and that begs the question, <laughs> that answers the question, <laughs> how you got started with worms. And it was through vermicompost that you purchased from somewhere, correct? Not quite. Uh, so we bought a farm. Okay. And uh, the farm had been, had a small vermicomposting operation on it. When they sold it, they had left uh, vermicompost there, and that is the vermicompost that I used oh. and found the great success. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you actually started it or got it through, through the farm. That's when you right. bought it, everything was there. That right, there was old vermicompost. It wasn't. It was not. It was good quality, but it wasn't really good quality. It was older and it had sat, but. The fact is, when I used it, I couldn't believe how the results just, okay. yeah, so that is how I got started. Mm -hmm. And and to tell the audience here, after Tina got the company started, I tried, so she gave me some, and I tried the vermicompost, and I have a photograph of two tomato plants. One started with some vermicompost in the potting mix and one without, and Tina, you have the photograph now, but I'm going to say the plant with the vermicompost had probably 35 to 50 percent more growth on it wouldn't you say oh yes yes yeah it was amazing it was pretty amazing so anyway you started then you you loved the compost the vermicompost and you said i think i'm going to start a business doing this tell me a little bit more about that starting the business i probably did a not the normal way when i started my business i jumped right into it i do not have um background running a business or owning a business. I did have some business practices that I knew of. I had worked in a, an office. Right. <clears throat> it's like that. So I jumped into a, a business. I jumped into, I formed a business. Boom. Now I owned a business and really was quite clueless on how to have a successful business. And that's the way a lot of entrepreneurs start, so that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what were some of the challenges you, you had in starting the business? Making uh, making the public aware of my product. So marketing, definitely marketing was mm -hmm. a big challenge. Um, 
getting my books in order and it took me years. I finally went to QuickBooks, which, you know, in the beginning I struggled with just trying to stay organized, but not really having an organizational method for that. Right. Right. Now, were you selling comp? Were you selling the product before you got everything all in line and then figured, boy, I better do some catch up here on the book side of it? That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so much involved in your business that it's just amazing. Uh, so everyone knows I visited Tina at her farm, and it's amazing. She's got quite an operation going on down there. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. There was vermicompost set up there. What Did you build all those long bins, or were those already there? When we bought, there was a huge, long, long pile, which is called a windrow, in the center of the barn, uh, this pole barn that people yep. built. Um, so that was not a good, that was not an efficient use of the, um, floor space. And after researching, I built these bins. I have, uh, they're four by eight feet. They're off the ground. Um, and there's 12 of them. You've got two rows of those now. So you have two wind rows of those. Um, right. Two rows, not wind rows. A wind row is a pile. Oh, okay. So I, so yeah. much for my knowledge on wind rows. Uh, <laughs> And each bin has it's what that's a what about a cubic yard or more? No, when they're full, yeah, two, two cubic yards. Two mm -hmm. cubic yards. And how many worms do you think are in each each bin? I would guess thirty-two thousand in each bin. Yes. Wow. So you're up in the hundreds of thousands of worms then. I am. Yes. Yeah. Now, is there a special kind of worm you need for vermicompost? My worm. Of choice is the Icenia fetidia. Uh, it's commonly known as the red wiggler. It's okay, you, you you almost got technical on me there. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry, but that's it's, okay. It's the red wiggler compost mm -hmm. worm. <laughs> okay, so your car your common variety of garden worm is that? Can people do it with that? Not really. They don't like to be in captivity. Of uh, these red wigglers that I use are very happy to be in a bin. A lot of people just will use a Tupperware bin and mm -hmm. not Tupperware, but a rubber plastic bin and modify it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. But we, we did that at, when we first moved down here to Fabius, I started a vermicompost bin and I just couldn't keep the thing going. It was just, uh, it was more work than I either was willing to put into or could keep up with it. But, and that's what we used was a plastic tub. But now, how long does it take to go from what do you what do you feed the worms? I feed the worms a special diet. It is manure that is from our farm that is mixed with, of course, their bedding, and then I buy a mulchy uh, carbon add. Uh, it's a mulchy substance from the local lumber mill. Okay. I have to buy that to mix it in to make sure I have good. Uh, bulk density and carbon nitrogen ratios. Okay. So you have a mix that you put in that you blend together and then put in there. Yes, I blend it together. And before I feed the worms, after I blend it, I let it pre-compost. It gets over 131 degrees uh, for the specified time to kill the weed seeds and pathogens. Okay. So that my customers have a very nice product. So tell me about that, because this isn't something where, on a commercial level, like you're doing it, this isn't something where you just like get the vermicompost, put it in a bag, and take it to the store and let people buy it. There's quite a process that you have to go through to get this market ready. Yes, yes. T tell me a little bit more about that. Um, so the, the 
the the feeds the starting feedstock that I do feed these worms is the manure mixed uh, with the uh, the woody substance, uh, and then I pre-compost it in these nice, nice compost bays. They're um, concrete walls. There's 25 yards each. They hold 25 yards each. Okay. Four of them. They have air. The, it's aerated, so the air blows up from the bottom. And this, I did that because I felt that that was the best use of my land, whereas if I tried to do them in outside windrows, I would have to... Um, you know, I'd have to put down some kind of a hard surface so that I could turn them regularly. And the other thing is then they would be getting um, watered, um, rained on, so that their nutrients would leach away. So mm -hmm. this is a covered covered base. It's just a nice, neat, clean way of making this food source for the worms. Okay, and those are the, those are the three bays that I saw outside your barn there with the roof on it. Yep, there's four bays, yes. Four bays, yes. And that's that's where you do all your pre-composting, and then that goes from there into the feed the worms. That's right. And what I don't feed the worms, I let it finish composting to become mature and stable, and I sell that as regular compost. Now, how long does it take from the composted or the pre-composted material to get into the worm bins? Say the day I... Say the day I mix it, and I would put it in the bay, uh, mixing it as I know how to mix it through trial and error and research, all that, it'll heat up in 24 hours. Yeah. And uh, so it has to be at, at least 131 degrees for three days. Okay. Because it is a static aerated pile. So it heats up, and I take the temperatures, and then after that, I'd like to flip it into another bay to make sure that maybe the edges that weren't quite oh. 131 also yep. get heated up. And then after that, I can feed it to the worms or I feed it to the worms whenever, you know, the timing is right. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. When now, once the worms get it, how long to turn it into vermicompost? 22 weeks. From 22 top, weeks? From the top of the bay, from the top of the bin... Uh, to the bottom of the bin. So these these worms, I feed them on top. I take it from the bottom. Twenty. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're constantly replenishing that and then taking it out of the bottom, and that's uh, twenty two weeks. Wow, that's a long time. So this is not like an overnight process. No, no, no. Tell me a little bit some interesting facts about the worms. Like I've read that worms have like five hearts. They breathe through their skin, and how long? And they live for like five years or something like that. Hmm. I don't know. I, I've read that it's more like a year that they live. Maybe different kinds of worms live for different periods of time. Yeah, they're um, they're uh, hermaphrodites. They uh, need two worms, but they have both uh, sex glands, so that's how they reproduce. Um, they form cocoons on their clitellum, I believe is the pronunciation, but they form cocoons. And those cocoons contain uh, uh, four to six or so normally eggs in them. And the eggs will slowly hatch. The eggs start out as pearly white. And the older they get, they get to a light yellow, a lemon yellow, and then a darker yellow. And then when they're old, after the worms leave, they're brown, little tiny eggs. They're about the size of a, um, a matchstick head, you know. And you start, the, you know. 
Okay, the cocoon is. Yes, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And so when the worms are born, they're very, very, of course, very, very tiny. Do you have to worry about like worm diseases, like like you do with like dogs, cats, and chickens and things like that? Is there diseases you have to be careful of for the worms? So the only real predator that I am aware of are some ants. I'm not sure all ants. And centipedes. So if you have centipedes in your worm bin, take them out um, if you had your own worm bin. Um, Millipedes are fine. Just the centipedes will eat the worm eggs. But Mm. no. And then, of course, you just want to, you know, give them a proper environment where it's moist enough. They have food, not too wet, good the correct temperatures. They don't want to freeze. They don't want to be hot. Um, as in a muggy day, um, say 85 on a muggy day, it's not a good day for a worm to be in the sunshine. Now from the process, once you start taking the compost out of the bottom, the vermicompost out of the bottom of the bins, mm-hmm. how do you tell me the process of getting it into bags? Cause the stuff that I've seen mm-hmm. is pretty it's pretty fine grain it's like uh i'm gonna correct me if i'm wrong tina it's like coffee grounds kind of yeah right a lot like coffee grounds Mm -hmm. yeah and there must be some kind of a process to get it to that point after you take it out because there's like wood chips and stuff in there right there is there's wood chips because i have to get that bulk density when i make the compost so of course there's gonna be you know they don't all decompose that quickly so there is so what i do is after i scrape it from the bottom of these bins. I let it sit a little while, to, and that uh, allows it to dry if it's too moist. And then I run it through what's called a Trummel screener, um, which goes around and around. It has a screen in it. goes around yeah. and around the smaller pieces. It's a one-eighth inch screen. So anything okay. smaller than one-eighth inch falls through into bins that I collect. And the, the big stuff goes out the back end. And uh, once I get the screened product, uh, then I can package it. Okay. And what do you do with the big stuff that goes out the other side? Do you put it back in the bins? I don't put it back in the bins. I either um, use it in my on my farm or in my gardens. I do sell some of those, um, things like that. They're definitely, um, it's still a good substance. It's just not something I'd want to put in a bag. Now, you have two products, actually, right? You've got the vermicompost, and you have, what was it called? What do you call it? The Super Grow Mix, I think it is? Or? It's the Super Grow Compost Blend. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, that's a new product this past year. It's 90% of my compost and 10% of my vermicompost mixed together, and it's uh, sold in half-cubic foot bags with a handle. And this is the stuff that you're going to want to put in your garden beds and, your, you know, in the soil to just add it adds the 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 microbes from the vermicompost all the goodness from the vermicompost but it also has got the the little bit of chunks and stuff to help improve the structure of your soil so whether it's clay and it needs to loosen or whether it's sand and it needs to you know get less sandy it'll right. help with that yeah like our clay when we moved down here first garden bed i put in uh I, I took the tiller to it, and it was like riding a bucking bronco. It was all clay underneath, like six inches of topsoil. So yeah. I had a lot of amending to do there. So that your product would have been perfect for that. It would have been perfect for that. Yeah. Uh, well, other things about my product that I'd like to mention now is that it is um, contaminant-free because I know 
the the sources are from my farm, from animals on my farm. They're not given uh, growth hormones or, or those things, uh, you know, harmful chemicals. And the other thing is the uh, multi-substance uh, from the lumber mill is also contaminant-free. Uh, the vermicompost was recently approved by Omri. Oh, congratulations. Thank you, yes. And then I will be uh, filing the paperwork for the super blend, so it'll be Omri approved too. So it's just a nicer compost. Great. Now, jumping back just a little bit. So if uh, how would you suggest people use straight vermicompost? Mm-hmm. As uh, mix it in their potting soil a little bit in the ground before they put their tomato plants in the ground, or yeah, both of those ten percent to your seed starting mix or your potting soil. Add it, add it right in. Um, say a quarter of a cup underneath your seedlings in the spring, and all of those measurements, as far as I say, a quarter cup, ten percent. It matters on the size of the plant and how hungry a feeder it is. Whereas a tomato plant's very hungry. Mm-hmm. Less would not need as much. Mm-hmm. Okay. You mentioned that you are approved now for Omri on one of your products. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit, because I know you talked about when I was down there, you had mentioned that you go through, you've set it out for analysis. Yes. Correct? And what kind of analysis is done on it? So like the, nitrogen, phosphorus, all that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Carbon, carbon nitrogen ratio, nitrogen, phosphorus, the normal. So the normal nutrients, it's also test it for um you know salt the soluble salts okay things like that calcium it and then i have sent it quite a few samples over to a um soil food web lab that tests the microbiology in it to see that the levels of um you know the bacteria the the funguses the protozoas the amoebas the um mm-hmm. What is it? Even the nematodes, you know, there's yep. there's uh, helpful nematodes, and you want the good ones, not the bad ones. Now, is that did you, was that Cornell that you sent it to? No, the Soil Food Web Lab is out in Oregon that I oh. sent it to. Yeah. Best time to use this, like if I was going to buy some of your your Supergrow mix and put it on the garden, what's the best time to put it down? Well, the most popular time is the spring when you're getting your plants started. Get them off to a really good, healthy start. Um, after that, during the summer, you it's great to you can reapply it. Just scratch it in, and let the rain get it, get the vermicompost down to the roots of the plants, or you can oh. make tea with it. Okay. And plants with the tea, and then in the fall, it is super super for planting. Uh, you know your bulbs, your garlic bulbs. Yep. New trees, uh, if you're moving your bushes, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good for houseplants, too. Yeah. Now, I we still have some compost left over from Tess, uh, the horse. When I put that on our garlic bed, I cannot believe the size of the garlic bulbs we get. It's just amazing how big they grow. And your vermicompost, would do, your super grow blend would do the same thing. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. It would. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. garlic's a pretty heavy nitrogen feeder, as I understand. I understand that, yes. Yeah. So chicken compost would be good for that, too. So, true, true. Yeah. Now, so, Tina, where can people – this this podcast is it goes out all over the world, I guess. Uh, and But also locally here, we've got some folks that listen to us locally. Where can it's, – it's available locally? Yes, it is. It's available in about a dozen stores locally. 
Okay. And, and that would, are they listed on your website? They are. Okay. And what's your website? It is divine-gardens.com. Okay. D-E-V-I-N-E-Gardens. Okay. And I'll post a link to that in the show notes so okay. people can do that. Now, do you sell at mail order as well? I do sell at mail order. Yes. So, so somebody can come online and buy and you'll ship it? I do ship it. Yes. Yes, okay. I do. Neat. That's pretty good. So anything else you'd like to tell us about worms and vermicompost and your operation, how that how that goes? Did I well, miss anything? One thing I just like to stress is that using products like mine lets you get away from harmful chemicals. You know, you don't need to use them. Uh, you can just use something like my products, which are actually going to make your soil better. So that, that's really a, an important thing to me. Yeah, yeah. No, it is important. I, I remember one time when, well, before I started using the test compost, the horse compost in our garden, we had, uh, Tess had a problem. We had to have her uh, treated. And mm -hmm. I called the company who made the product we use and asked, is that going to go through the horse and into my compost because I'm organic here? And they told me it should pass all the way through and be used up by the time it ends up in compost. So, mm -hmm. And I've never had ours tested. but yeah. So as far as I know, I'm all organic, but that's right. a, a caveat. But you said you don't use any anything, any chemicals at all? No, I haven't. I haven't yeah. moved to the farm uh, in 2012, and I haven't used a single thing outside of, you know, just practicing good soil health techniques right. and using my products. Yeah. It's amazing how when you put compost in the garden, how it how it uh, mm -hmm. it amends that soil. Ours ours our raised beds here are just amazing. Yeah, it's don't phenomenal. you love don't you love beautiful soil? Oh, it's great. I, I just went out and picked beets this uh, yesterday morning, and uh, God, they're delicious, aren't they? Yeah. Well, anyway, Tina, thank you very much for joining us today on the show. Uh, I appreciate it, and I'm going to put uh, Tina's web address. Uh, in the show notes and uh, we'll, we'll, this will also go on the blog and I'll make sure it's in the blog and if people are interested again I can attest to the use of this stuff because I've used it and the tomato plants really there was at least 35% growth difference between the two it's just great stuff <laughs> that's all I can say about it but Tina thanks for joining us again on the show and uh, I appreciate it and uh, we'll be in touch sometime but thanks for also for the tour of your property out there that was very nice of you You're that was fun thank you Thank you. Good. Bert. Okay, Tina, we'll talk to you later. Super, thanks. Bye, Dave. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed our show and learned a little bit about worms and vermicompost with Tina Jacobs. Tina's website is posted in the show notes below, and I'll have it at cleanslatefarm.com, too. You can find us at cleanslatefarm.com, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the usual suspects. Hey, I'd like to ask a favor of you. If you like the show, please subscribe, leave a comment or a rating. That'll help other people find us. We really appreciate it. Bye-bye. This podcast is a production of Clean Slate Farm. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.